Welcome to It's Who I Am, the podcast, where we celebrate the unique life experiences that make us who we are. We're your hosts, Hannah and Rachel Vasicek, and every fortnight we'll be bringing to you a dose of inspiration and storytelling. Interviewing women across Australia and abroad who vulnerably and candidly share the depths of who they are. This podcast is brought to you by Francesca Jewellery. In today's episode of It's Who I Am, we chat with friend and fabulous entrepreneur Mia, founder of Moxie Tampons. Creating an iconic business common to many of our bathrooms, Mia's brand goes beyond feminine hygiene products. Starting at the young age of 21, Mia's marketing mind and passion to bridge pain points in the market saw her create a globally recognized brand, Moxie. Moxie stands for more than just a product. During her mission towards success, Mia had the devastating realization that what many of us see here as an inconvenient product to buy is in fact a luxury to many living in developing countries. With a heart motivated to make change, Mia shares a story of how she uses her business as a platform for change. Welcome to It's Who I Am, the podcast. We are so thrilled to have you today. Um, How are you? I am really good, actually, despite being in Melbourne and in lockdown version 3.0 at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm happy, healthy, going about life and, yeah, things, look, it could be worse. It's not, it's not amazing, but it could be worse. <laughs> Definitely. It's such a crazy, crazy time. Um, how are you coping this time round with COVID lockdowns? I know that, you know, you've survived it before. You know, how do you feel going into it again now? I was talking to someone earlier and I kind of got to the point where I just said to myself, we've done this before, we'll just have to do it one more time. And I'm hoping that it's just one more time, but I just feel like, you know, if everyone does the right thing for a little while longer, we'll, you know, we'll come out the other side and, you know, I think things are going to be tough for a lot of people and I guess that's kind of what just keeps me feeling quite grateful um, because, you know, we from a you know work perspective we're still able to trade and you know provide an essential to people that need it and so hopefully our business comes out the other mm-hmm. side but a lot of people you know won't so yeah i think if we can all just do our best we'll get through it you know such a so good mentality and, and we were talking before that um people will still have their period during covid so <laughs> unfortunately that you're essential <laughs> so i guess yeah, yeah, that's, it's going to keep happening. Pandemic or not, periods are going to keep happening. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I guess for, for us and for our listeners, um, we, I would love to know how Moxie started. Like, it's a huge brand. And I remember when I first met you, I was like, oh, it's the tampons in the tin girl. <laughs> um, I was so excited. Tampons in the tin girl. <laughs> um, but, I mean, how did, how did you, like, it is an industry that is literally dominated by so many big brands. How, when did, where, how old were you when you started and how did it all come about? Yeah, I was uh, 21 and very naive, super green. <laughs> Basically, so I was working in um, new product development and yeah, was doing a marketing degree, studying a marketing degree at the same time and was really starting to learn a bit about product innovation and brand and product development. And yeah, very long story short, super abridged version is that I was kind of sick of tampons rolling around in my handbag (laughs) and just had one of those personal pain point moments where I went, 
why do these just come in flimsy boxes that always break open or, you know, plastic bags um, that are just not really doing the product justice? And so the idea initially was to put tampons in something more robust. So tin was kind of an immediate thought because it's really durable, it's 100% recyclable, but also can kind of look a bit cute and, you know, do its job and keep the product protected and ultimately stop tampons from rolling around in your bag. So <laughs> yeah, kind of started with that and um, teamed up with uh, someone I was working with at the time who became my business partner. And we made our first little prototype out of a deodorant can. <gasps> I love the it. Rest of it we took, we, yeah, we took that to Woolworths and pitched it to them. And um, yeah, just kind of took a huge risk. And perhaps being young and I guess that naive was a good thing in hindsight because I didn't really know what I was in for. And so I just went for it. Um, and that was, you know, 16, 15, 16 years ago now. So, yeah, Moxie was born from that little idea to put tampons in tins and then it kind of just snowballed. I love that so much. And I guess was entrepreneurship ingrained in you from, you know, a young age? Like that's, that's a really revolutionary idea. I mean, and to have the <laughs> guts to go after it. Yeah. Were you selling anything at a young age? Or? <laughs> I wish I had one of these like amazing stories where I was <laughs> four and I was this budding entrepreneur with amazing <laughs> lemonade stand that was just you know uh but no uh but thinking back like I kind of I guess came from I mean I didn't know what entrepreneurship was I had never even heard the term and even well into the business like several years in I still really hadn't heard of it um and yeah but thinking back my I guess I come from a family of I don't know if entrepreneurs is the right word, business owners. Like my dad had his own business when he was 19. Well, he started when he was 19. He was a knitwear manufacturer in Australia, uh, which is un unfortunately now kind of not a, not a super popular trade because so much comes from offshore. But I lived and breathed that with him pretty much my entire life. And so I guess it kind of was ingrained in me. I think there was certainly no fear of doing something a bit different and going for it and working hard and working long hours because, you know, that's what I saw my parents do. So for me, I kind of knew no different. And I, I guess I never really, even though I was, you know, I was studying a marketing degree, I was working in a corporate environment. I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I just didn't see myself there long-term. It just didn't feel right. And so I feel like I'm quite an impulsive person sometimes. And I, I like to think I take calculated risks, but I don't know. I think I'm just not a what if person. I'm like, well, let's give it a go. If it flops, at least we gave it a go and we've learned from it and we move on. And so I just thought, hey, like I don't really have a lot of responsibilities at this age. I'll just give it a crack. And if not, I'll get another job. But yeah, here we are <laughs> still here. So. <laughs> so crazy. And you said, you know, being so naive at the time and not really knowing what you know, it took to create such a huge business. Looking back, what does that look like now if you, you know, were to tell me you're at 21 what she was in for? I would say it's a trap. <laughs> You've been warned. Uh, no, look, I think, look, I think it was probably a good thing. And I don't think, I don't think any, I wonder, like if you talk to a heap of entrepreneurs, I wonder if like most of them would say that they didn't have it all figured out when they started. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I probably would warn myself about a couple of the pitfalls to do with running a business. Like I feel like I kind of had a handle on product and brand because I knew what I wanted it to say 
and how I wanted it to be portrayed, but I didn't know anything about running a business. Mm. So I didn't understand about cash flow and budgets and, you know, think, yeah, it's, it's such a minefield. And I, you know, that's the stuff they don't teach you about at school or at uni really. So that was kind of like a learn, learn as you go type situation, still learning as I go type situation. Mm. But you know, the joys of the joys of business and, you know, hiring people and, Managing yeah, it's that um, fake it till you make it type mentality, isn't it? Um, I'm when still you start quite it. young, yeah. yeah, I'm absolutely. Still <laughs> it. I love it. Sure. <laughs> I guess you know, like, did you did you ever have you know having a business so young and also pitching to these big guns like Woolworths and things like that? Did you have this uh, imposter syndrome almost? And was there a defining moment when you were like? Like I am awesome, you know? <laughs> like I can do this. Yeah, that's a really good question because I, I'm actually really pleased that you brought this up because I think this is something that's really important to talk about, particularly for women in business, because I feel like we often do sort of tall poppy syndrome ourselves and we feel mm-hmm. like we're not worthy or we're not, we're not worthy of success or of good things that come our way. And I like to kind of call it self-sabotage. And I've been quite good at doing that over the years. I think the minute the penny dropped for me was um, when I won the um, Telstra Young Businesswoman Award for Vic in, gosh, it was a while ago now, it was in 2014. And even then, I actually, I remember sitting in um, my, in a forum with my business group at the time and they were really excited for me. And, and I just remember sitting in that group saying, I don't, I feel like a fake. I don't feel like I'm, you know, I don't feel like I'm worthy of this. Like thinking about the other women, even the who were in my category at the time and all the other women in business and those who I've really looked up to, I just thought, oh no, they're way better than me. Mm. And so I think that we're quite good at doing that to ourselves. And so it's, yeah, it's really sort of taught me to just step back. I mean, in one, in one respect, it's good because it kind of keeps me motivated and keeps me pushing to be better. But I think at the same time, I think it's important to just stop and step back and go, I've done some cool things too. I've done some mm. dumb stuff, but I've done some <laughs> things, you know. So I think it's good to acknowledge that sometimes. But, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't still guilty of it. Yeah. Well, I want to know about the dumb stuff. <laughs> like, have there, has there been some, like, epic failures that have also, like, we, we love, um, I guess, learning from our failures and there's been a lot of them, but have there been, like, defining moments in failure that have made you sort of who you are today? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a huge advocate of failure because I think that it just reminds you that you're really pushing yourself and pushing the envelope and challenging things and I guess Mm. challenging the status quo to an extent. So, well, I don't know whether that's just, that's me just telling myself that so that I can make myself. I love that. I never thought of it like that. It is. Mm. That's so good. Yes. I like to just, I kind of treat things as a lesson. And like I said, for me, I, I, I try and take risks and calculated risks because I think that's kind of how you stand out. Um, but yeah, gosh, there's been so many things over the years. The one that stands out that I do talk about a lot is um, rushing into exporting mm. and expanding the business overseas. And it was in the UK particularly. And we just weren't really geared up for it uh, in the sense that we just weren't ready. And I think we probably jumped too soon because we were, I guess we were threatened by competition and by you know, threats of other people doing it before us. And we had retailers basically saying, well, if you don't supply us 
we're just going to rip it off and do it ourselves. And so we created, yeah, so we kind of extended our range probably a bit sooner than we would have liked. And um, yeah, very long story short, we just bled. We just hemorrhaged money for years. And then (laughs) the, um, the warehouse that we were working with at the time, who was holding all of our stock, went into liquidation but didn't tell us and they lost like it was nearly like half a million dollars worth of stock oh <gasps> no and it was just you know and I and I look I'm a trusting person and I still it hasn't sort of changed the way I operate but I really we really trusted them and we just completely had the wool pulled over our eyes and yeah we suffered for it so yeah look it was a fail but would I have done anything differently probably not like I just did not see that coming um, and it's really hard, like dealing with legislation in other countries. Yeah, and trying, absolutely. To, trying to fight a legal battle, like yeah, it was just a nightmare. Um, do you find that that affects you personally? Like, I guess I wanted want to hear a bit more about how you separate yourself from the business, and when business is going really shit, um, how do you protect yourself personally? It's a really good question, and I don't know if I've figured it out just yet. I I do take things really personally and I think it's tough because I did start at quite a young age, not a young age as such, but like this has pretty much been my entire career. Mm. And, you know, I feel like maybe more so than I'd like, it's become quite a big part of my identity. And I do sort of feel like I'm a lot more than just, you know, the tampon girl or the, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm really flattered by that. I am tampon really, really girl. Sorry, <laughs> that's my bad. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I, it is really, you know, it is really flattering to be, to be associated with something that's so memorable for people. But at the same time, it's like, does it define me? No, but it kind of does because I do take every hit and every failure really personally. And I think, yeah, well, it's me, you know, I'm at at the end of the day, like I'm the bottleneck in my business. I'm the top. And so ultimately I'm responsible for everything that goes down. So it's kind of hard. It is hard to separate. Um, I'm trying to, which I've been trying to do for the last couple of years actually is leave work at work Mm. so that home is home. Mm. And even like now with COVID, that's a bit challenging because there's the lines are so blurred. But for me, it's just having that separation because I feel like when I take my work home with me, it consumes me. I'm thinking about it when I go to bed. I'm thinking about it when I wake up. And then my family suffer too as a result because I'm just not present. So, yeah, I think for me, it's kind of just a part of self-care. And if you can leave work at work and once you get home, then you're, you know, a different, not a different person, but... You, know, you can be a more relaxed version of yourself. I think that's yeah. it's kind of important to have that separation if you can. We spoke about this in our first podcast episode because we were saying for so long how much, you know, we identified with Francesca and finding that, you know, breakthrough point of like, no, if we remove Francesca today, who would we actually mm. be? And it's something that Hannah particularly struggled with because just like, you know, saying the tampon girl, it's like <laughs> Hannah was like, Francesca and people are actually calling her Francesca Francesca. and so it is it's such a hard one and then you kind of you want to identify with it but at the same time it's kind of like if you remove that who are you so Mm. it's such a journey and then who is your brand as well like if people associate you so much with your brand by removing yourself does that then impact your brand and that's really like that's a scary thought you know a lot of people say that 
you know, particularly people that I've spoken to that are perhaps a bit further on in business that have maybe that are looking at selling or have sold that are very tied to their businesses. They're like, don't tie yourself to your business because, you know, then you could, you know, you could sell it one day and it's not reliant on you, but it's hard. I think when you are so tied to the product and it's come from such a personal place and it is your personality, it's kind of hard to really like remove yourself. Mm. It really is. And I guess for you, you know, we've had a journey over the last few years where we, I think there was a time where Rachel and I looked at each other and we were like, we can't just sell jewellery. Like life Mm. feels like it's a bit more than that as well. And we've gone through this sort of, you know, I guess personal growth and tying um, business brand vision to personal personal vision, I guess, as well. Um, I know you do pads for pads. Um, How did that come about? And was that something similar? You know, you kind of um, wanting to bring something personal into, into the brand? Yeah, definitely. Look, I, um, that's a really interesting one because uh, it, it still breaks my heart every time I talk about this because it's associated with period poverty ultimately. And 2013 was kind of when this all came about and I had been in business for quite a number of years and period poverty had never dawned on me and I kind of feel ashamed and embarrassed about that because it was just not something that in a developed country like Australia we were really aware of and even being in the industry I could not believe that I hadn't heard about it but I basically um, I received an article from a friend that was talking about the really high rates of school absenteeism amongst young girls in particularly developing countries who ultimately skip school because they can't manage their period. Uh, So the situation is pretty, it's pretty horrendous. It's really quite dire. And look, this is happening in Australia now, as we know, I think we've all become a lot more aware, but this particular article talked about Uganda and it just floored me. The things that I read about, I did some more investigating. I spoke with some organizations over there and the things that were happening were just horrific. And um, so as I do, <laughs> seems like much of my life is just everything's on a whim. Um, I got on a plane and went to Uganda. And, <gasps> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, I just had this, yeah, I, I, I just kind of really felt this sense of, um, wow. and not to sound like a white knight, like I don't want it to sound wanky, but I just, I kind of felt a sense of guilt and a sense of responsibility. Mm. And I thought, okay, I have, I have a personal care business these people need personal care products. Surely there's something that I can do to help, even if it's a tiny impact. Mm. And I think that's an important lesson in this is that you don't have to be an enormous organisation or have heaps of resources to make a difference. You know, I think even a small impact, the domino effect of a small impact can, you know, can be impactful, I guess. So, um, yeah, so long story short, I went to Uganda and um, met with an organisation there called AfriPads and they employ local people to make reusable products, reusable pads, basically. Mm. Um, and so we teamed up with them and essentially we bought reusable uh, pad kits from them and then we donated them to schoolgirls for free. So it wasn't, you know, it was basically us just saying, this is what we're going to do with our profit. If, you know, you choose to buy Moxie, this is what we do with some of the money. Um, and we supported, we supported about 15,000 girls through Pads for Pads, um, many of whom went on to graduate, which is amazing. So, yeah, and, you know, really sustainable products. So it wasn't us just going in there and 
and um, giving them Moxie, which is was at the time really only a disposable solution. We wanted to be not only sympathetic to the environment, but you know, help keep people in jobs. And I think when we first started working with AfriPads, they employed uh, 60 people, predominantly women. Uh, and then over the years, I think they they reached like 120, built a new factory. Like it's pretty pretty amazing to be to be part of that. So yeah, I just think that you know we can all kind of use our businesses and platforms to drive change. And if you know if we all just do a little bit, then I think we can really, you know, really do some good collectively. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, is there anything else that you have, you know, on the horizon that is happening for you, whether it's inside a business or outside? Oh my gosh, so much. I feel like this time in lockdown has kind of really just, I don't know, it's just really made me, um, I don't know, my brain's just ticking. It's so weird. So I've got these little 3am notebooks. I don't know if you've heard me talk about these before. No. But I've got these little, yeah, they're these little, um, they're Kiki K 3am notebooks. And I get one for Christmas every year. And I sit down like New Year's Eve and I write down like what my goals are, what my goals are going to be for the following year. And it kind of just becomes not, not quite a journal, but it's kind of just like an ideas bank. And so, yeah, when I'm, when I've got some quiet time, I just kind of sit down and I just go through that. And I think um, the things that are standing out to me at the moment um, are more self-care and more self-love. Yeah. <laughs> so really taking the time, just, you know, stepping back and going, okay, Mia, just, you need to look after yourself a bit more. You're not getting any younger. Um, so more of that. And um, I'm actually really motivated about business and just thinking about what Moxie looks like in the future. I think already it's so different from how it looked and operated in, you know, 2006 as opposed to 2020. And so I'm thinking about, well, gee, what's Moxie in 2030? And that's kind of exciting. So, yeah, really just taking the time to kind of plan and um, think ahead a little bit, I guess. And then yeah, just sort of, yeah, mold life accordingly. But yeah, who knows? I mean, who would have who would have thought that we'd be here? Funnily enough, a friend sent me a photo of myself on a beach mm-hmm. in Italy three years oh, ago. No. And, and I'm loving, like I'm loving myself sick in this photo. I'm in the water and I'm like, hands are up in the air, and I'm like, yeah, life's so good. And my friend sent me this photo of me, and she said, Tell this woman that in three years she's gonna be locked in her house wearing a mask. <laughs> and you just can't fathom it can you no it feels like so so much was taken for granted back then I think it's been such a nice reminder of you know those holidays overseas you know what a privilege that was to be able to even go and do that and it's just such a wake-up call to as well be grateful for you know what we have right now in Australia when you look at you know places like Italy when they went through COVID being so hard hit it's you know it's really crazy. Yeah, I just think like holidays like that, any kind of holiday just seems like such an incredible luxury. I mean, I think yeah. they, they are at the best of times, but particularly now, but even just little things like being able to hug people. I know. It's honestly know. beyond comprehension yeah. how much the world has changed at the moment. And yeah, we just have to take it day by day, really. Hey. Yeah. And so well, that's all we can do. Yeah, and I love that you're talking about self-care. It's definitely something that we've started uh, talking about within our business and also personally. I guess, is it 14 years that you've been doing Moxie? Uh, like it started in 2006. So, yeah, it's worth wow. going. Like yeah. how, how on earth do you maintain like momentum? Like how do you stay motivated and how do you like 
Like, yeah, I know that's a lot of questions, but you know, like how, how do you do it for for so long and still say, stay sane, you know, (laughs) business is not easy and, but it's so amazing, but yeah. It's not easy at all. And I think what you see on the outside is only like such a tiny snippet of what really goes on and the emotion behind it and all the things we talked about, like, you know, just feeling so connected to it and, and taking everything sort of so personally. Um, but how do I stay motivated? Yeah. So, oh, look, I think, um, constantly feeling challenged. Like I don't, it's funny when people say, oh, you're so successful. And I I feel like people sometimes confuse success with length of time in business. (laughs) I mean, like I said, you know, we've definitely done some great things, but I'm nowhere near done yet. And so I feel like constantly feeling challenged is great. That keeps me motivated because there's so much more I want to do. There are definitely days where I'm like this is rubbish I'm done I'm over it I've had enough (laughs) (laughs) you know uh, I definitely definitely have those moments Um, but I think also you know what is really motivating and it sounds a little cheesy but it's so true is I'm still floored by the feedback that we get from other people who use our products or who buy our products and send us emails like I never would have thought that we would have had such personal, beautiful emails about, you know, a tampon product or a yeah. menstrual oh. People obviously just connect with it so much and they write to us like such beautiful messages. And I just think, okay, that's why we do what we do. Okay, cool. Yeah. We're actually, we're actually doing something good. Um, so yeah. And you know, things like your pads for pads and initiatives like that. And, you know, we, we work with share the dignity and, and other organizations and, you know, that, it's that stuff that really keeps me motivated as well because it's it's well beyond just being a business. It's well beyond just having a job or anything like that. I think, again, it's, you know, we're able to, we've got a platform where we can do other things and drive change and in some ways help people. So mm. I think that's kind of what keeps, what keeps me going. But, yeah, no, there's definitely the down days where I feel like I've had enough. But I think that's normal in any, any job, I guess. It's totally normal. I literally just left the office and I said to the girls, I feel like I've got my productivity back because last week I literally had a week of just like almost sitting at my desk in this haze where I was like, I don't know what day it is. It was kind of like that time after Christmas and New Year's where you're like, what day of the year is it? What's going on? And it's like, it's just ebbs and flows and you've got to just like ride the wave, I think, especially... Are you in the creative side of the business still doing the marketing and yeah. 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 So, I mean, that that's really kind of what I love. That's the bit, they're the bits that I enjoy the most probably. Like I'm, I'm horrific at numbers. Like don't ask me to do anything to do with finance. You can bond over that. <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm, that was my, my first hire was an accountant. Like hot <laughs> tipping, like hire a good accountant. Um, but yeah, so no, I love the creative side of things. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I guess as well, you know, I am mindful that a lot of our listeners also aren't business owners. They don't want to be business owners, but I mean, they're, they're aspiring to make change. They're aspiring to lead really, I guess, purposeful careers. What do you have to say to, you know, like our upcoming generation of Moxie users? Um, and you know, how do you go after your dream job, especially somewhere like Moxie? Like, what do you look for? Oh, look, I'm a, I'm a massive believer in, like, as a, as a business owner, I hire for passion. 
I look for people with passion and people with drive. I think a lot of skills can be learned and taught, but passion you cannot teach. So I've had, I mean, we, we've had a, a lot of people in the team and we're actually really fortunate that a lot of our team have been with us for like six, seven years plus. Um, but every time, you know, we're looking to hire, I, you know, there's so many people that are great on paper, but passion you just cannot you absolutely yeah. just cannot beat. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say, you know, find find a career path that you are passionate about, that you do really enjoy, um, mm-hmm. that doesn't just feel like a job. We spend so much time at work, working, that it's kind of crazy to think that so many people are unhappy in their careers or in their chosen profession. Yeah. So I would say find something that you're passionate about and then, you know, try it. You speak to people, talk to people that have done it before you or, or who are doing something similar. LinkedIn is an incredible untapped resource, particularly mm-hmm. for younger people, students, people just sort of getting into their career, even people that are midway through and want to change, reach out to people on LinkedIn. It's incredible who you can connect with. People that you probably otherwise wouldn't connect with are just there. And, you know, you can send them a note and and connect and ask questions and yeah. don't be afraid to reach out, I'd say. So, LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm so bad at LinkedIn. Just as you're saying this, I'm like, I need to capitalise on LinkedIn so much more. It's like I, have, I hadn't updated mine for like five years and all the girls searched for me one day in the office and they were like, Hannah, um, we didn't know you were a graphic designer. And literally it said on my LinkedIn that I was a graphic, graphic designer. And I'm like, oh, weird. I don't even know the password. But that's really good to know because I guess... Yep. Um, untapped yeah really and, it's and really i guess good. you can as a business owner as well like it's great it's it's an amazing way to find talent and to find new talent you i know? love that yeah people. anyone yep. listening facebook is hit hannah up as a graphic designer good to know that hannah i've been looking for a new graphic designer. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know how to op- even open photoshop or illustrator <laughs> it might not be very fast but I'm sure I can come out with some great designs. She'll get on Canva. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's an incredible, like, female-led business. Like, oh, oh, my wow. goodness. She is unreal. Oh. That How like, that took off. And this I'm is what not- I mean, you know, like, as women, I find that, you know, we don't have that confidence in ourselves and yet we're always the ones that are like, why isn't there a solution for this? Why isn't there, you know, like a, a tin for my tampons? Like, it's it's one of those things that I think your story gives us hope that, you know, you don't have to be an entrepreneur per se to have an amazing idea and to actually bring it to market against huge, huge players. Like it's, it blows my mind, but it's one of those things that unless you hear a story of hope, it's really something that you, you just would dismiss, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I feel like this next gen are a lot more, well, I just feel like generally in society, in Australia anyway, we are certainly a lot more open to um, young entrepreneurs and there's more of a there's a real culture that fosters that whereas I feel like even when I was at school it was like okay you do your best and then you go and you do a uni course or a TAFE course or a trade or whatever you choose to do but it's like you basically go and get a job it's almost like the traditional mentality of like you grow up you get married you buy a house and then you live and die you yeah. know and things really change like that's really? the it's not, things aren't super linear like that like you said earlier it's all ebbs and flows and um I think it's really important to remember that yeah 100 percent. i that you know the mindset of 
what do you want to spend the majority of your waking hour doing Mm. is what I wish they would ask graduates. Like, what do you want to spend all of your time doing? Yeah. And also remind them that that choice they make then isn't the the be all and end all. You can change your mind. Yeah. You know, if you pursue a degree or whatever it is, if you pursue something that you decide isn't for you, just change. Don't yeah, be afraid well, to change. Like don't feel like you have to be stuck in something if you don't want to be. Absolutely. I'm a testament to that. Most of our listeners probably don't know that I did a double degree of science and law <laughs> and then um, yeah, oh, in graphic design, no, and quote unquote, you know, my brains were wasted on starting a business, um, oh, you know, which wow. is what other people said. But, you know, it's one of those things that you don't, you need to follow what you're passionate about because that's what actually will survive, you know. Mm. And, you so, know, give it a go. Don't be afraid to give it a go. Like yeah. I kind of, I like to do the, um, I call it the disaster trick. And even now, like when I'm making decisions in, well, in life and in business, I think, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? If I pursue this, what's the worst thing? Like, what's my plan Z? Like if everything goes to just, you know, yeah, like what is the plan? And I generally get to the lowest point is like, okay, I could lose everything and be completely broke, like literally lose everything okay, cool. That's not so bad. Okay. That's okay. Maybe I could rebuild. (laughs) As long as you've got, I don't know, depends what's important to you. But for me, it's like, if I've got my health and I've got supportive family and friends, well, the rest is just a bonus, I guess. Yeah. You know whose story I love with, you know, like losing everything and building up again, Vino Mofo. Mm. When we heard that. Oh my goodness. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Justin, like what a story. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, So I guess, you know, on that note, we love to wrap up our interviews with everyone asking you, you know, looking back now, what would you tell 16-year-old Mia as, you know, a little bit of advice or, you know, surprise, this is how far you've come kind of thing? 16-year-old Mia was probably like going to the clubs when she shouldn't have been. No, I know she was, but not even a probably. She was definitely doing that. Um, look, I would probably, I would probably tell myself not to take it all too seriously too soon. Mm. Uh, you know, I never did. I never, I never went on the trips with friends. I never did schoolies and all that kind of thing. And I'm not saying I have major regrets because I've been really fortunate that I've, I've been able to travel with my work particularly. But yeah, I was, I was, I was pretty serious at 21, mm. and maybe had I slowed down a bit, you know, things might've still, you know, turned out okay, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it was pretty heavy. So I'd probably say just, just chill. It's going to be all right. Just enjoy the ride. It's going to be a journey. <laughs> what amazing advice. Cause I know there is a lot of pressure on younger people to, you know, achieve so much, but sometimes you just need to say YOLO and have yeah. a bit of fun. Don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. We are so grateful to have had you on. It's an incredible story and I can't wait for our listeners to hear it. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to see your faces too. For those who can see each other, which is kind of a nice treat. I know. It's so nice. Thanks for listening to our podcast, It's Who I Am. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review below. You can also connect with us on Instagram at francesca.com.au and Facebook.